0: Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Travis Goad, who's the managing partner of Polaris Equity um, out of and based out of New York. Welcome aboard, Travis. Uh, thank you for having me, Richard. Happy to so, be here. Yeah, so great to have you on. Just recently, um, Polaris announced a deal with Terrasend for about $45 million in new capitalization. Um, your company is obviously a lender in the space. Walk us through what uh, that is involved in that deal. Sure. Happy
1: to do it. So uh, we're very excited to have Terrison in our book as a borrower. Um, they're a you know tier one MSO and, and, and have a great team over there. The way the assets that are part of that loan is that we made a loan across two states at the end. One is New Jersey. The other one is Maryland. And so the collateral for those are their cultivation and a dispensary in New Jersey, as well as a, a cultivation facility in Maryland.
0: And what does TerraSend intend to do with the capital? So TerraSend, uh, to
1: use it for general corporate purposes um, and, and other M&A or, or other opportunities they may see, um, you know, that's that's for them to to decide. Um, so, but it, it's meant to help them grow as a firm and kind of take advantage of opportunities in the sector.
0: Right. And so, you know, Polaris, we've had uh, somebody on from Polaris in the past and um, there's a, there's a number of firms like Polaris who have a really good model with regards to helping the firms in the cannabis industry, which are looking to you know either refinance or take advantage of the opportunity that they bought their facilities early on. They've converted them over. They've got the asset, but now they need the extra capital or would like the extra capital to access to build out their business further. And Terrason comes in and helps those companies by refinancing or basically lending against those properties. Do you see that uh, with the market changes that are occurring and the interest changes that are occurring that are the business growing or changing how people are doing business? I just want to make sure I understood. Cause I think you said Terrison lends money. I think you meant Polaris. Uh, yes. Polaris loans money. Did I say, I'm sorry if I said the other, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, i just to make sure I understood the question. They could, they could borrow from you and loan it on, but I don't think <laughs> that's the model. <laughs> not, not quite the, the model that the, they're targeting.
1: <laughs> um, the, um, Uh, So yeah, the the interest rate environment is interesting. What we're seeing across both cannabis and non-cannabis is that risk is just repricing. So when you see things such as T-bills yielding 4%, um, it's just a different world we're operating in today than we were you know, for the last probably 12 years. So uh, you're seeing volatility in, in equities where S&P is down 20% year to date uh, and, and kind of rate volatility moving around a lot. So yes, that's impacting anybody that's in the credit markets and it's impacting anybody who is a, a borrower of, of, of credit markets or needs to access them. So, um, you know, we're still enjoying inflows into our fund. We've really shifted to more of a floating rate loan model on a go forward basis to kind of maintain that attractive spread for investors, um, you know, relative to to other investment opportunities in this environment. But um, anytime you see volatility, it impacts people. But, um, you know, we're still finding great opportunities to deploy capital to strong sponsors, you know, such as Terrasend.
0: Right. And when, when you loan out to firms in the industry, how do you price them? Like you've got a floating interest rate and obviously it's going to be X over prime or X over market. How do you structure?
1: Yeah. So we we've, we, we structure our loans over the what they call the secured overnight funding rate, which is the new LIBOR. Yeah. Um, LIBOR is getting phased out because it was not a it was a self-reported number when nobody actually really borrowed in the uh, overnight markets. And so um, the SOFR market has replaced that. And so we quote our loans on a spread over the SOFR. Um, they'll have some you know, upfront uh, origination uh, points or OID. Uh, in some cases, they'll have uh, some warrants as well. Um, and uh, But it's all priced on a spread over the one month SOFR.
0: Okay okay and you know companies that are are looking to deal with that obviously you want you're looking to deals with companies that are more established or have strong assets and a model that you know on a go forward basis can support it there's been a lot of you know upheaval in the market is it getting more difficult or is it just the deals really are more practical on every level
1: I'd say anytime again. Uh, anytime you see this kind of volatility in, in the cannabis equities markets, and I think there's there's two things that people should understand about the space. Is is one there's the volatility in the share prices that a lot of these companies are seeing, and of and, course, and some of that is driven by you know regulatory delays and and some of the 280e issues and other uh-huh. things these firms have. Um, but some of it's uh, it, it is a function of its if it's um, kind of beta the broader market. So so when you look at S and P's down twenty percent, when you have a less liquid asset class with a smaller investor base, that the that that's going to sell off even more. And so oftentimes in the moves in public equities is a disconnect in what you're seeing in the actual health of the underlying company, where cash flows and, and revenue growth can still be strong and they can still be cash flowing, um, but but the equity prices don't really reflect that due to broader macro issues. And so that's what we're really targeting is is companies that have a good business plan, a good niche in the market. Um, We like larger operators, but we'll even look at smaller operators because smaller operators oftentimes uh, have a great little niche and you can still be profitable on a smaller footprint. So we're really looking for people that are either have a clear path to to, to good cash flow and revenue or currently generating good cash flow and revenue uh, in markets that that we think are interesting or or have a niche within a market that... um, we think will uh, do well.
0: Yeah, and that was actually part of where I was going with regards to the fact that, you know, cannabis is one of the products which should theoretically be as recession-proof as any in that people will continue to consume and it's not going to be a massive ticket item that people stop and think about. So the cash flow to the businesses themselves should be generally unaffected or minorly affected. It's all of the ancillary components that, uh, that would be. And you know, that actually puts you and your model in a better position than lending to other sectors, doesn't it? Agreed, so
1: I'd say there's two parts to take that for cannabis. One, yes, cannabis is a $25 billion year annual sales market today projected to go to 45 billion over the next five years. Um, 25 billion is bigger than Major League Baseball and the NFL combined. So you have a real market with strong growth trailwinds. So I think that's one of the big pickups for this industry. Would you rather be invested in a sector that is um, earlier stage, but we're seeing rapid growth or a more mature, fully funded market in a recessionary environment? I think uh, you'd rather have that uh, tailwind of growth kind of going into, you know, these volatile markets. Now, um, you know these cannabis companies and sectors. You know generally do have their their challenges as well, given some of the regulatory overlays. But all of that can be solved with legislation or or or, or action on on the political front. Um, so it's kind of a self inflicted problem at the moment. But mm-hmm. we do see that we do think it will perform well in our recession. We saw that in COVID. It materially outperformed in COVID. Now I'd say COVID was a little bit of a different type of recession. Very um,
0: big aberration for the market as a whole, right? I mean COVID so unpredictable vis-a-vis where a recession, at least, we're able to point to historical and cyclical trends.
1: Correct. No, absolutely. And so that's what we're seeing here. We do expect it to be kind of like alcohol and some of these other industries that are typically, you know, quote unquote, recession proof. Um, What you typically see in those markets is that, you know, consumption goes up, um, but, you know, price point goes down. And so- Uh um you know looking for we think you'll probably see a similar dynamic here in cannabis i think one of the risks that we're looking for is um do people kind of downgrade into the illegal market or stay in the legal market but right. speaking we do think that this industry is going to continue to grow recession or no recession and we think this is a good place to be um you know broadly speaking
0: no i i, I agree fundamentally i mean the the market growth is going to continue it's going to be interesting to see how you know the firms that are um, less well structured and operated from a governance perspective manage through it because the cash flow will continue, but the pressures from the general market are going to be new and different.
1: Uh, correct, absolutely, and that's kind of one of the things that you know we'll we'll see how it plays out. But since we have an asset based lending model, yeah. um, you know we're secured by a hard asset, functioning asset that. Uh, a good operator should be able to operate profitably. So, you know, when we lend to borrowers, we want every one of our borrowers to succeed and 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 and, and outperform. And, and we spend a lot of time and effort trying to plan and think and help them do that. But you know, in the worst case scenario, you know, if something were to happen to where this operator was just not able to 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 do it correctly, um, we still think it's a, we're lending against an attractive asset that a better operator would be able to step into.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's a great model from a security perspective on your end and also for cash flow access for the business on the other side to, to create opportunities for growth. But let's come back to that after a short break. We'll be back in a moment on The Green Peak with Travid Goad from Polaris Equity. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Travis Goad from Polaris Equity. And Travis, you know, just before the break, we we're talking about you know, some of the implications of a potential recession hitting the market. And of course, the other big one that's everybody's looking to is after Biden mentioned um, rescheduling or, you know, potentially legalization, the impact of that on the market. Those those are factors which obviously will affect how people need to access capital, and what they're going to do with it because if you have full legalization all of a sudden you should have state-to-state commerce but you also have a whole new series of uh, hoops to jump through from the perspective of the EPA and FDA and obviously the banking acts will come into place. Those are things though which shouldn't really affect your business in terms of people will still need the same access to capital and the structure stay the same or will the uh, ability of the traditional banks to get involved impact you in a way that uh, people aren't foreseeing. Yes, a, a broad-based
1: descheduling or legalization we've tremendously positively impacted for the industry and, and ourselves included. Um, and so you know we, we think that would be a, you know obviously a huge step. It seems like that's a little bit farther off but you know uh, I think
0: it's still a ways out despite everybody's excitement <laughs> personally. <laughs>
1: Correct. I mean, if you look at, you know, some of the research reports out there, the descheduling can take a while, um, or 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 you know, a broader legislative um, change. So we'll see. We're hoping that safe banking will pass um, you know, sooner rather than later to, to as a as a step in the right direction. Sure. Um but the way we look at this is because we're cannabis, we don't have the same access to traditional capital markets that mortgage rates use to fund themselves um, that are non-cannabis. And so in that world uh, where, uh, and and we were the first cannabis debt fund to ever issue a senior unsecured corporate bond. We raised $50 million last year that way. We got triple B plus rated, investment grade rated by Egan Jones. So we're pushing that access for us and um to to get that, but we don't. And so in, in that world where it's descheduled, I can go issue bonds at a cheaper rate than I was able to last year. And I'll be able to pass those savings on to our sponsors and continue to grow with the market. And that's ultimately how we look at this space. And and you know, there is every every real estate sector I'm aware of has has a um non bank lender that thrives in the space. Yep. And you know, I'll use one of the most extreme examples, um, which is, you know, multifamily lending. So multifamily lending, um, if you, you're familiar with that rental apartment loans, that that market is largely dominated by Fannie and Freddie. I yep. think they do about 95% of all rental property real estate loans in the country. And there's still a $3 billion commercial mortgage rate focused on multifamily called Arbor Commercial. So, right. you know, if, if there's a room for a multi-billion dollar mortgage rate that's competing effectively with the government, um, I don't see why this sector would be any different and we expect to be competitive You know, over the
0: life of the industry. You should be, right? And in fact, from the investor's perspective, the general market uncertainty should play in your favor in terms of it's a safer place to put money than certain other aspects of the industry today. Because it is asset backed and it is tied to the cash flow side of the business, not to the expansion or capital uh, investment in the first place. Correct. And not to the stock market.
1: Correct. So you, you you don't have the correlation with the stock market, which is key. Um, which our decision to stay private has really played a role, because um, we could have gone public a while ago, and we were worried about potential volatile times coming, and 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 the the. Costs associated with going public versus the benefits that you would get in this sector, and so strategically chose to stay private. and And, and we've seen continued performance and uh, in, in inflows tied to that because when you're effectively in a private credit vehicle, why would you want to do that via uh, a public uh, or investing in private? Why do you want to do that via? A public vehicle. So the way we look at this space from an investor standpoint is, if you want exposure to the cannabis market, there's no better way to do it than on a senior secured basis. So you're at the top of the capital structure on uh, the most critical asset for these firms, um, and you're getting you know still mid teens returns. We've done fifteen percent returns every year since uh, inception. And, right. uh, um, and you still, in, in most cases, particularly this year, apart from the terrison transaction is we've gotten warrants uh, on most of the transactions we've done this year. So you get some of that sweetener and, and equity potential upside, uh, but you are in a very secure uh, position and getting an attractive yield.
0: And how often do the investors
1: get paid out? We do monthly distributions. So that's something that's really important for investors to think about. You actually get paid monthly and actually a good percentage of our investors reinvest that. So you actually can benefit from monthly compounding, which increases your yield even more um, tied to that. So these aren't some kind of phantom IRR on projections. These are actual cash distributed to investors.
0: Right, which in today's market is even more important than ever. Let's face it. Um, so yeah. how big is the capital pool for Polaris? Because companies, you know, who are needing to access, obviously, want to know they're going to speak to somebody who has enough heft, but also that they're not too, that they're not too small and they're not too big. Correct. So we we have
1: 370 million in AUM today. Mm-hmm. We were the longest running commercial real estate lender focused for the cannabis sector. We closed our first loan in 2016, and we've done over 500 million in transactions since inception. We're the only lender that I'm aware of that have actually has a track record of deploying the capital, having it repaid, and then redeploying it again. So um we are, are we have a proven lending model where I think some of the more recently launched competitors um you know I'm not sure if any of them have had a loan payoff yet. So um, you know, I think our model is proven um and we we're structured as an evergreen fund. And right. so we continually to raise money at every month. So For instance, uh, so the first of every month investors come in and, and this year we've averaged kind of 10 to 15 million a month, in new equity that comes in um, that allows us to go out and continue to lend.
0: And people who want to invest through you or, you know, they're looking to participate in the market, but they like to use a vehicle like this. What's the average size of investment or is there a minimum? Is there, what is it you look for?
1: Sure. So um, yes, the, the minimum investment is 250,000. Um, mm-hmm. We've been largely uh, a retail investor base kind of, that was the only investors that were allowed to take yep. um, a view on this industry. So, so we, you know, we, we, we have a largely retail investor. Our minimum now is 250,000, um, but we have almost a thousand individual investors.
0: Okay. That's excellent. So, you know, looking at the, um, the Terrason deal, and then of course you're based in New York, which is opening up and, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, all the opportunities there. How soon do you look at New York as being really a market hub for your activity? Because obviously you like to go in when the asset's there, not too early.
1: Correct. Now, now we will do construction loans and help, build those assets but for instance for us to come in and lend you have to have the license you either have to have the site identified or the property identified and you have to be ready to go with your funding because we'll lend anywhere from 60 to 75 percent of the cost of the real estate Uh and so there's an equity delta that these borrowers and and sponsors need to come up with so Once you've lined up your equity, you've got the site identified, you have the license, you're ready to go. That's when we would come in and fund, whether that's a construction project or if it's already operating as well. Now, New York has taken a slightly different tactic on on how they they went about it, both from uh, a dispensary perspective, Um, you know, you know, prioritizing, you know, the social equity applicants, et cetera, um, and getting those open first. And then there's different, um, you know, they're still rolling out exactly the the, the framework around cultivation. So um, I think we're definitely interested in New York. We think it's going to be a, a large market. I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty as about, uh, you know, how that market will be structured and, um, you know, when the right time is to enter, but we're certainly looking at it closely.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, uh... And a very interesting market with everything that's going on there and the, uh, the opportunity, I mean, after California, it's going to be the largest market in the States, right? So it's uh, the growth there for everybody in the sector is massive. Um, Travis, we do have to take one more short break, but we'll be back in a moment on the green peak with Travis Goad from Pluris Equity. The green peak. We'll climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Travis Goad from uh, Polaris Equity. And Travis, when you look at the Terrason deal and you look at the rest of the market, obviously the other MSOs are looking to the market the same way as Terrason does in terms of some of the opportunities that are going to be coming up with the shuffling in the marketplace, but also the need for access to capital that's different than going to the you know the public markets today because of the uncertainty there. What are you seeing? Are you seeing a change in the discussions? Are you seeing greater interest in activity? Or has that activity been there for a while and the MSOs are really gearing up regardless? So
1: we've definitely seen an uptick in activity. I mean, with this volatility where most of the other you know funding sources in this space have are, are struggling to execute or, or raise that capital, we've still enjoyed good inflows of capital and still have capital to deploy. So um, we, we've definitely seen an uptick in interest generally. I mean, the Terrison deal was... Um, you know, I'd say our first tier one MSO. And right. and we've received a lot of inquiries uh, uh, since then. So um, we're excited to have the conversations with the other top operators in the space and, um, you know, would absolutely look to, um, you know, make make attractive loans in this market.
0: Right. And so the MSOs that are working, though, that you encounter – how many states are they looking looking to deal in, or is it really? Are you looking at the big, broad ones, or are you really finding it's at all levels? So we're looking at all, all levels. To be clear, we don't. We, you know, we. No, have... not which are you are the market that's coming to you. Are are you noticing there's a bit of a segmentation in who's participating in different ways, or is you know, everybody I, looking?
1: Yeah, everybody's looking is what I would say right now. Right now, I mean, there's a capital starved space, and so if you have capital deployed, um, you know, kind of. Yeah, cash is king at the moment um mm-hmm. where um you know that that is is what to do so we've seen it up and down and frankly we're, we're finding some attractive opportunities on smaller operators as well but you know very excited to to continue to um you know add more you know tier one msos into our book as well
0: right so how does that tie into your pipeline because you're going to have some small you're going to have some medium large is it You know, is it a bit of a pyramid where, as we'd expected, there's the mass at the bottom and very few at the top, or are you noticing it bulging in different areas that would be out of the norm? Yeah, it's an
1: interesting question. We're seeing it up and down. I mean, our view on the market is we want diversified exposure. So, you know, in a new industry you know, some people focus that scale is the only way to win. And we've seen, you know, people without scale still do very well. And so until we know exactly how this market's going to play out and the consolidation and everything, uh, awesome. we as investors just prefer to have, a you know, exposure across both. Um, so, you know, I would say that as a firm growing as quickly as, as we've been growing, um, sometimes it lumps in certain parts of that bulge, as you put it, um, but evens out over time. So, you know, our goal is to, on our way to the stabilization of size, our target raise is a is, is billion dollars. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're quickly making our way towards that. Right. Um, is that when we get to those kind of stabilizations, um, you know, uh, you know that, that'll... that uh, we'll be able to have a better answer that on a, on the on perfect stabilization portfolio in our view.
0: Right. Of course. And, you know, you mentioned an interesting point there with regards to, you know, the market and looking at A activity and one of the most attractive parts for the company that's being acquired or companies and a merger is having a healthy balance sheet, but also having, you know, a good sum of cash on the books. Are you seeing more, um, interest from companies that are looking to capitalize for that reason to put themselves in the you know the healthiest position to get the best multiple return as they're divesting of their own uh, company,
1: yeah, so we we are. I mean, ultimately, I think everybody I, I
0: don't think everybody thinks of refinancing as a step towards improving their return when they're being acquired.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at the. If you're saying you're going to play at a higher multiple because you have cash on the balance sheet, I think that, that would feed into you know your cash flow and your business as well. Yeah. Um, I think what I'm seeing more of in the space is that with all of this dislocation, with public equities trading where they're at, um, there is just a ton of opportunity out there. The MSOs see the opportunity, we see the opportunity, and and, and other investment groups do as well. And I think a lot of people are looking at, you know, not necessarily just, listen, if, if you're not cash flowing, you want cash on your balance sheet to get you through any uh, you know, shorter term, you know, tough times, but what we're seeing is that a lot of them are looking to do, uh, you know, M&A and, and acquisitions and kind of, um, you know, try to expand smartly in this um, kind of in this time where, where things, you know, uh, look cheap on a, on a variety of metrics.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're basically out of time for today, Travis, but people who want to learn more about Polaris and the model and look at it from the perspective of what they can do for their business, how do they reach you and find out? about what's going on?
1: Yes, please reach out to uh, Tanya Krug within our organization. Her email address is T-A-N-Y-A at Equity Uh She is a very senior on our uh, investor relations side. And so um, all um, kind of investor inquiries should go to her. She can get you the information on the fund and, and how we're structured, anything you need to make that decision if you uh, are looking for a borrower perspective and and would like to talk about a deal you may have, um, please email my originations team. Uh, They are Henry Miller and Devin McGrath, and their email addresses are henry, H-E-N-R-Y, at florisequitygroup.com, and Devin, D-E-V-I-N, at florisequitygroup.com.
0: Well, I know the spammers are going to love it having all those email addresses now extra <laughs> distributed, but it makes everybody else's life easier to get in touch. Um, Travis, thanks for joining us on the Green Peak this week. Uh, really interesting, you know, your model with regards to where the market is today. Probably, you know, a lot more attractive to investors than uh, a year ago when the markets were had bigger opportunities. So it's you know probably great timing and always a need for the business operator so thanks for joining us and uh, walking us through what you're doing and how it can help people
1: sounds great thank you
0: all right and thanks everyone for listening we'll be back again with you next week I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green team